And another reminder that Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. It gives you everything you need in one place, and it's free. You can use it right from your phone or your computer. They have creation tools, so you can record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. And they'll distribute your podcast for free. So you can hear it on Spotify, Apple, Google, and many more. Just like us here at BraveMaker. Make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So download the Anchor app today and go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks to our sponsors. Now back to the show. Stories, scripts, and conversations with creators. This is the Brave Maker Podcast. All right. Hey, episode nine. We are in the Brave Maker studio, and it is again Jessica Musgrave. Hello. And who else is here in the Brave Maker office? Emily. <laughs> We've got little little Musgrave over here. Just uh, Jessica's daughter is sitting here with her book, and looks like a chicken McNugget. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Episode nine. We have an author. So tell us uh, about your friend Diana Kelly. Um, I'm. God, I met Diana about 18 years ago. Uh, I was good friends with one of her kids. I went to high school with their daughter. Okay. And uh, I didn't actually know that Diana wrote a book until I saw it on, what was it, Facebook? Yeah, my friend had posted something about it. And so I started looking into it and remember meeting her. Remember she was an awesome person, so... Thought I'd introduce you guys. So Jessica introduces me to Diana, and we have a conversation and a story. And I, I'll tell you what. Like, so just, just so you know, this conversation is really honest and really transparent, and probably not safe for work or safe for your kiddos to listen to if they're uh, not above the age of thirteen and up. And here's why, uh, Diana talks about going through a really challenging space of a, her relationship with her boyfriend, a long-term boyfriend who wanted to transition from male to female. And she wrote the whole book. The, the book is called The Sky Turned Green and the Grass Turned Blue, Diane's story. So she uses sort of uh, character names in the book. So the, the person she refers to is named Jack. Jack becomes Jocelyn. And I, you know, I have to admit, it was a really difficult at times. I felt for her. I, you know, I was even felt uncomfortable. Like, wow, like I don't, I don't know if I could have done the things that you would have done, did. But I think that it was worthy of a listen. And uh, if we are trying to be people pushing uh, the boundaries of what is brave uh, and how we express and put those stories out into the world, this is definitely one of them. And. I reference episode five in this podcast because that's when we did our LGBTQ event through Brave Maker. And Brave Maker is about expanding our empathy for those who are different than us. And having a story about a trans person is really important. And I have to say on the on the out front as well, I probably have said things wrong in regards to connecting or talking about trans people. And so... I am sure I am still in a process and space of learning what it looks like to be an ally to the trans community. So if I have um, 
any room to grow, please let me know. Listeners, thank you guys so much for being a part of the Brave Maker journey. But before we get into Diana's story, we first recap, we had an event this past week. It was so great in the Fox Theater. It was Criminal Justice and the film The Sentence by a filmmaker named Rudy Valdez. It was so so good. Uh, thanks to the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative for supporting this event. And we're um, posting some pictures on our Instas, and hopefully we'll have our behind-the-scenes video soon. So stay on the lookout for that. But we also have an event coming up May 13th. Want to talk about that? Yeah, it's, um, it's a film screening at Century 20 in Redwood City called Love Always Mom. Um, it is about a stage four cancer survivor breast cancer yeah, yeah breast cancer um patient and she was how old or how many months pregnant was she when she found well, out well i think she was not pregnant at the time because you can't get chemo and be pregnant oh. so they decided to get a surrogate her and her husband before the chemo started okay. and believing that she might not meet that child because there's no guarantee even going through chemo that you'll survive so that's the story is Trisha. So she, yeah, she does like a video diary yeah. to her unborn child because mm-hmm. she didn't think she was going to survive yep. the cancer. And oh, it's emotional, empowering. It's, I mean, that's what Brave Maker's about. These yeah. hard to talk about yeah. stories, you know, these emotional battles. It's, it, I, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be good. It's going to be. I don't know. (laughs) It's the day after Mother's Day. So this is a great story for moms. It's a great story for people who are fighting cancer or have triumphed over cancer. Or maybe you love someone who has cancer and you just want to sit in that space. But it's a great human story. So if you love triumph stories, come check it out May 13th. Trisha will be there. Her son will be there. The surrogate who birthed her son. Am I saying that right? Surrogate? Surrogate. Yeah. Okay. Will be there as well. And we have a short film um, before it called Bear, which is a short film that will be playing right at 7 o'clock at Century 20, included in the ticket price. So go to BraveMaker.com and get your tickets for that. And then, of course, when you're on BraveMaker.com, check out our film festival coming up in a month, 2019, June 1st and 2nd. All access passes are available for 100 bucks, and that gets you a really cool VIP private event on May 31st, Friday night, with a magician named Rich Ferguson, a meet and greet with all the filmmakers, and a party at Hotel Nia. So... That's available at BraveMaker.com. Anything else, Jess? Mm, not that I can think of. Rebecca is still traveling. She's in Canada, her home country. We miss her. Come back, Rebecca. <laughs> All right. Here's Diana Kelly. Brave stories change the world. You are the story. This is Tony Gapastone, and in the Brave Maker offices today, I have author Diana Kelly. And the interesting part about Diana's story is that she never considered herself a writer, but here she is sitting in the office with her book that I have a copy of called The Sky Turned Green and the Grass Turned Blue. So Diana, welcome to the Brave Maker podcast. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So tell us about why you don't, why you didn't consider yourself a writer and now all of a sudden you are. I decided to write this book because of my experience with a man I called Jack in the late 1990s. Um, after we had been in a relationship for seven years, he came out to me 
that he wanted to transition to become female. And at that point in time, I didn't know anything about what the word transgender meant, mm -hmm. let alone how far he wanted to go with it. Yeah. And um, so not understanding what he was wanting to do, um, I started out on a journey of my own to try to figure out what's this all about and how's it going to affect our relationship. And uh, I started to discover some very interesting facts um, that there were more transgender people um, than I even realized out there. Um, and uh, so anyway, coming to uh, the conclusion that there wasn't enough information, I kind of vowed to myself that at some point I needed to write about what our experience was. And this was um, determined back in the 1990s when we were going through it. <clears throat> and then um, later on, uh, 2004, I started trying to write, and I found I couldn't get the words on paper. Mm. And then I thought to myself, well, you know, you're not a writer. You've never done this before. You don't know how to start. And so I sat with that for a while. And then one day, I walked into a coffee shop in Novato, California, uh, where I was living at the time, and there was a notice on this on the door that there was going to be an open mic the next uh, week, and at that open mic it was going to be you know readings, poetry, etc. So I went, and during that period of time, of watching other people read, um, I thought maybe this is someplace I could start reading my story if I could get it written. Mm. So I went actually to the group's leader, and Eric Baxter, and I asked him um, <clears throat> if it would be possible for me to come in and read a chapter to the group, and that it was a story that no one really may understand, um, and that it was a subject matter that I didn't know anyone would accept. And his comment to me was, you write anything you want to, you come in here and you can read it. So the next month, that's what I did, and I started writing. And I went in that next month, and I read a chapter that I had entitled Rules of the Game. And actually, it wasn't the beginning. That actually would come at about the middle of the book, when I finally finished the book. So um, that's how I started. Well, that's a big story right there in a nutshell that you just gave. Two big important parts. One, the Brave Maker part is that you plowed through your own obstacles and mm -hmm. your own insecurities and your own lack of skill to actually produce, to, to make something. You bravely made something. You put a story out into the world. It's mm -hmm. published. It's out there, which is cool. We'll talk yeah. about that. But the second part of that story <laughs> is just your relationship that was radically altered. And you were confronted with what you never had expected to join a relationship with a significant other who then says, I don't feel that this gender I'm in is the right gender. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a big, that's a big story right there. So why don't we, you know, cause I think part of the brave making journey for you is obviously very personal and it's very emotional. Why don't you just start sharing a lot of the stuff that's in the book, which will encourage our listeners to get the book, but why don't you just start sharing kind of how that journey went for you to embrace this character named Jack mm -hmm. and how you dealt with that really kind of, you know, surprising news and unexpected news that you got from him. Well, it was uh, when he actually came out and told me that he wanted to transition to become a woman. It was um, well into the 
relationship. By then, we'd probably been together about eight years. You weren't married at the time? We were not married. Okay. No. I was uh, and am a mother of five children. I was divorced at the time. I'd been divorced for about 10 years, um, dating various men and um, not always satisfied with the result of the fact that relationships never really became a part of the of our dating relationship. And so I, when I met Jack, what was interesting was how interested he was in getting to know me. And he was really interested in having a friendship and to, to nurture a friendship. And I thought, well, that's a little different than what I've experienced before. And um, so I was attracted to that, that there was someone who was interested in me and not just looking for a... Um, Jump it in the sack. And so um, we became friends over time, and um, then uh, the relationship progressed um, as any normal relationship would. Um, and we did not, we were together, and I think because I have the children, and I really wasn't looking at that point in time for marriage. I was looking for a good relationship and getting to know someone and to develop a relationship over time with the idea that when my children got older and they weren't requiring the parenting, that then I could consider having a relationship more for myself and hopefully marriage eventually. But at that point in time, I didn't really expect that anyone would want to come in and you know be dad to my kids. Because of the five children. Because mm -hmm. of the five kids, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, with Jack, we, we pretty much kept the, the parenting part out of the relationship, but we spent a lot of time together. Weekends, we would spend time together and go places and we'd drive to Santa Cruz and explore the countryside. And it was a lot of fun for me because it was my one main way of getting out. Seven you know? years is a lot of time. It's a good chunk of your life oh, to yeah. spend in a relationship. So although you yeah. weren't married, you yeah. spent a lot of time. I assume you were mutually loving one yes. another and yes. committed to one another. Yes. And uh, so at the seven-year mark is when he shared to you his desire to transition from male to female? Yeah, it was at about the seven-year mark. and But basically, he came out to me first... Um, well, first he came out to me telling me that it was his 50th birthday. And um, he came out to me and he said that, well, I had asked him, what do you want for your birthday? And um, he was not very forthcoming and he didn't want to talk about it. And he seemed upset that he was turning 50. So uh, my suggestion had been to him, well, you know, why don't you think about the fact that you're halfway through your lifetime You've got another 50 years ahead of you. And what is it that you would want to do with your life if you had it to start all over again? Big question. And um, I actually felt like I'd opened Pandora's box mm. <laughs> later. Mm. But initially, with me asking that question and, and putting it out there, Jack came out to me to say that he actually had been looking into um, the S&M world and... Uh, the different what it meant to be dominant or submissive, and that he felt that he was a submissive and he wanted to explore that side of himself. And I thought, hmm, well, that's interesting. What's that all about? And so um, we together, uh, because I was not sure what all that meant. I mean, 
um, we all have our thoughts about what S&M stands for and what it is and all the taboos around it. And for those who don't know, I can't even tell you what it means. What does it mean? <laughs> What's the initial stand for? Well, S&M is sadomasochism. Okay. But, uh, which means? Which means sadistic and masochistic. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so, but for BDSM or S&M, what it usually conjures up in someone's mind is sex and porn. Mm. That's what comes to mind initially. Um, kinky activity, um, you know, dominance and whips and chains and things like that. Mm-hmm. So when Jack came out to me and said, I'd really, I think I'm a submissive and I want to explore myself and this is the realm I want to do it in, um, I was kind of horrified, actually, because mm-hmm. I thought to myself, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. And what are you talking about? And why would you want to do this? And um, initially, of course, for me, I really was, I backed off. But Jack was, you know, continuing to talk about it. And so I thought, well, I'd ask him questions. He would say, well, it's hard for me to explain it. But they give you classes. You can go and take classes and, and find out what it's all about. There's an organization um, in on both the East Coast and the West Coast that has to do with S&M, and they uh, will actually give you classes. And in San Francisco, it's called Janus, and it's an organization that believes in safe, sane, and consensual uh, when it comes to S&M practices. So the suggestion was, why don't you join the organization, take some classes, and find out about it? So I hesitated. <laughs> I probably waited another month. <laughs> and then I thought, okay, well, I'll go to one of the classes. Wow. So, so I did. And uh, met quite a few people. I think the first class, there were about 30 people there. And it was all first name, and you, you, know, you just listened to why people were there. And I realized that most of the people that were there were there, expressed that they were there because they were exploring themselves and wanting to know more about certain parts and thoughts that they had that they maybe they didn't understand or that they wanted to, you know, expand upon. And I thought, hmm, well, I was there because of Jack. Hmm. It's interesting <laughs> to pause there. I think I don't know a, a ton of our listeners intimately, but I think like you, your first experience with even the idea was like, wait, what? A pause. It was a little bit of an alarm, yeah. you know, and I think we do have preconceived notions. And, you know, I'm, you know, as I listen, I go, I wouldn't be comfortable with that. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, how, how did, so you got yourself, I was gonna say, how did you get yourself over it? The, the, but the hump that you needed to get over was really maybe your own insecurities and the way that you did it was by acknowledging you loved this man right. who was asking that of you. And it wasn't, um, uh, it wasn't pressure, it didn't sound like. He wasn't pressuring no, you. No, it was no. an invitation. So you did it out of love for him, which mm-hmm. I give you credit for that. That's mm-hmm. interesting. I, that's more than I could do. That's for sure. So you go to these classes, mm-hmm. you explore, then it sounds like you then mm-hmm. experiment with mm-hmm. Jack in this mm-hmm. realm. And then what happens? Well, actually, I didn't experiment with Jack. Oh, you didn't? Okay. <laughs> Jack wasn't so interested in experimenting with me, I find out, after I've gone through all this. So that was a little bit of a... Huh. It was perplexing to me. And I wasn't sure if it was because it was... How do I say this? Because he wasn't ready. He thought I wasn't ready to explore some of that together. Or whether... You know, maybe he felt, and I still wonder, maybe he felt vulnerable and didn't really want to share that with me at that point in time. But then again, 
was that really what it was about? Right. So, yeah, so then how do you get to that point where <laughs> yeah. he shares that with you? Well, it takes a couple of years, actually. Oh, wow. So year seven was that S&M. Then when's mm-hmm. the next marker in this conversation? Well, the marker for, um, for us when it came to his coming out was probably about a year and a half later. So then we kind of dropped out of the, that scene for probably about three, four months. And then one day Jack comes to me and he says, I want to go to a play party. I said, what? <laughs> um, yeah, I want to go to this femdom party. He said, so he says, will you go with me? And I said, okay. And he says, I'm, I want to go as a submissive and I want you to go as my dominant. And I said, okay. And uh, so we dressed to play the part. So um, Now that conjures up my, in my mind, are you wearing leather High yeah. heels, that type of thing. <laughs> yes. And he is what doing what? Well, he came to me a few days before, and he said that he wanted to dress in drag. He wanted to go as a female. Okay. And I said, oh, well, you've never done that before. Uh-huh. You know, that was news to me. That was new to me. So I prepared for that. And uh, when I got to Jack's flat that evening to go to the party, um, and he buzzed me in, and I started into a dark hallway, up a start, dark, steep stairwell. Um, kind of wondered, well, where are you? And suddenly the light came on, and I looked up, and there was Jack at the top of the stairs, dressed as a diva. Not as a dowdy housewife at all, but totally decked out in this gorgeous wig and <clears throat> long dress and sheer, sheer nylons and high heels and perfectly applied makeup. And that's what got me, I thought. What's going on? I can't even put my makeup on now. <laughs> this isn't something you just did. <laughs> He's had some practice. <laughs> You've had <Yeah>. some practice. <laughs> so that was very startling to me, and I totally lost it. <laughs> in that moment, lost it in mm-hmm. an emotional way? or okay. Yeah. And then yeah. what happened? Um, a lot of arguing. Mm-hmm. Um, then eventually, uh, actually it wasn't until the next day, we argued a lot that evening. We did not go to the party. I was too emotionally upset, which then upset Jack because Jack wanted me. At that point, I did not realize what was going on and realized later that he wanted me to accept him as he had presented. And I had no, um, I had not been prepared for that at all, of course. In my way, in my mind, I wasn't prepared. And so um, he came out the next day because I left after a while. We argued quite a bit and then I left. Um, trying to figure out what was going on and not getting the answers I wanted. Or th- and, and Jack wasn't forthcoming as to what his real intent was. So the next day he called me and asked me to come over so we could talk, and I went over to his flat again. And uh, when, I, when I arrived, I was expecting an apology, but what I found was that Jack was um, dressed in a different female outfit um, and different wig and fully made up. And basically said to me, you should have guessed, um, I want to be a woman. Mm. And so then we started more conversation and then went on from there. Wow. So the title of your book is called The Sky Turned Green and the Grass Turned Blue. Is this in reference to your world basically turning upside down yes. from this moment on? Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was such a, it was so surreal to me. Um, 
that that was my initial reaction was it was just like everything just changed mm -hmm. and it was something I had to adjust to. Mm -hmm. um, it's when you're kind of thrown into one of those situations that isn't by your own choice and it's so out of the realm of your thinking or your experience that you don't know quite how to think about it. And um, I think when, as Jack B started to transition, which it took some time, I mean, and I, I write about that in the book, that there was a lot of waffling. There was this going back and forth as, do I, don't I? Sometimes I would, um, as we you know, progressed more into the relationship during that period of transition, which uh, took four years for Jack, um, there were times where we would get together and it wasn't, it wasn't Jack, it was Jocelyn that I would see because Jack would tra tra transition eventually mm -hmm. to Jocelyn. But um, it wouldn't be Jocelyn, it would be Jack. And then the next time I would see her, it would be him. Mm. And then it would be him, it would be her. And so that, that idea of my world kind of spinning and turning and morphing mm. um, <clears throat> and seeming very surreal was only impacted more and more by the the um, uncertainty, which I felt mm -hmm. was an uncertainty with Jack as far as what he really was trying to do or wanted to do, um, as he basically tested the waters for himself as to his direction. So <clears throat> we met through a mutual friend. You came to our creative crew meetup, and I think maybe six, seven months ago, yeah. and read some excerpts from your book. Mm -hmm. And you had shared that, well, you're sharing right now, when Jack originally had come out and revealed his direction to transition from male to female, uh, you just referenced four years. You thought originally you would stay with Jack to become yes. Jocelyn. Yes. Talk about that. Um, we, uh, Jack came out to me and then um, we worked at the transition. And um, that took us down another path. Um, my intent was to try to understand what it was all about, mm -hmm. um, what Jack's needs were in this, and how it was going to affect our relationship. And so um, I would ask Jack questions, and but if I asked him <clears throat> certain questions like, well, what do you think is how this is going to affect our relationship? Oh, well, you're just not being supportive of me. You know, we'll work it out. Um, okay, well, then what do I, you know... Mm -hmm. What are you going to do? How far are you going to go with this? And um, I started to realize that as Jack transitioned and became Jocelyn and it came out to our friends and our family and our work partners that uh, Jack was undergoing transition, that people were going to look at us differently, too, as a couple. Sure. Um, we weren't going to be seen as a male and female heterosexual couple any longer. We were going to be seen as lesbians. Um it was going to change our social structure of our life. It was going to change um, how people viewed us at work, um, how, how my children saw me, um, how people just saw us in general. I assume how you saw yourself. And how I saw myself, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so that um, created a stir in me as far as like, well, okay, so... And then it was also explaining to people because... I was heterosexual and Jack was heterosexual. This is always an interesting point, I think, with people. That to think that you're going to be seen as lesbians, however, you're both as you're both heterosexual. So just because 
Jack becomes Jocelyn doesn't mean that Jack's orient, sexual orientation changes. Mm-hmm. As a male, he's heterosexual. As a female, he's interested in women. Mm-hmm. She will be interested in women. Correct. Uh-huh. So she's then seen as a lesbian. Mm-hmm. Um, from my aspect of it being heterosexual, to be in a relationship with someone who is then, if Jack was to, Jocelyn was to go ahead and, and have surgery, um, the change in parts, mm-hmm. it's like, how does that affect my desire? Mm-hmm. How does that affect our relationship over time? Um, it brings up a lot of questions. I am just sitting here like with my mouth open <laughs> because I don't have a context for this personally. And so thank you so much for being willing to come on the podcast to share. I think it's such a fascinating story. It's a brave story to put into a book. Mm -hmm. And I know we talked about this before, and I know it's probably, you know, frustrating to have to be connected in this way. But the only story I can relate to is the high-profile story of Kris Jenner and and Bruce Jenner, who became Caitlyn. Mm -hmm. And the challenge is, you know, in some ways, both don't win, you know, because it's a grueling space for both to exist in. Mm -hmm. And so I really think it's important to hear your story and uh, to walk through the gamut uh, that you would even, you know, be willing to humble yourself to lay down uh, Mm -hmm. for this relationship, what you in in and of yourself, you fell in love, you grew in love with a person Mm -hmm. who was Jack, who was male, who then is transitioning. And then you say, okay, I'm going to give it a go Mm -hmm. for a few years and sort of re-try to understand because this person, despite the body that they are in, is the person that you were in a relationship with. I mean, so how did you navigate through those four years? And obviously you're not Mm -hmm. together with Jocelyn Mm -hmm. today. Um, What do you want to share about that part of the story? Well, I think um, there's so much that goes even beyond where... our story as it's written currently ends. Um, but I think um, when when Jack came out that um, he wanted to transition to Jocelyn, and then as Jocelyn appears and, and morphs and changes, um, I'm faced with various things. I mean, of course, there's a sexual, the sexual aspect of it, and I write about this. Um, I do, and I'll, I'll kind of take it point by point, but and the sexual aspect of it, um, I was very curious as to how I was going to handle um, being with Jocelyn once Jocelyn mm. had gone through surgery and done mm-hmm. the sex reassignment surgery because Jack decided that, yes, when he did this transition and became Jocelyn, he wanted to go, th- she, he wanted to become she fully. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that meant um, breast augmentation, um, uh, electrolysis to remove facial and body hair. Um, hormones, Mm -hmm. hormone treatment, um, and also sex reassignment surgery. Mm -hmm. And so during that four years, uh, step by step, first it was electrolysis and hormones. And I watched that progression for about a year and a half. So you see the physicality of the the male that you knew changing to softer features. Mm -hmm. Um, They start to uh, have breast growth. Different, different morphine, and, I, and that's the only way I can really say it. It's kind of like you watch this body morph, but you're still seeing the same person. You're still seeing the inner person. You're seeing they still laugh the same way. Mm-hmm. They still have the same interests, and um, so you're kind of trying to make the physical 
shift along with it still stick with the person you mm. knew before. So there's this huge kind of change going on that you're watching. Um, so anyway, um, because of all of this, I actually had met a woman at, uh, so I was going to take night, I was taking night classes at San Francisco State, and I met a woman who was lesbian, who always was very friendly and was always willing to talk. And so one day I thought, well, let's see, maybe I can talk to her and ask her some questions about what it's like to be a lesbian in the lesbian life in San Francisco. Maybe she can shed some light <laughs> on all this for me. And uh, so I asked her, well, actually, uh, I asked her if we could talk, but um, she invited me to um, go to coffee with her and a couple of her friends. And I thought, okay, okay. So we went to coffee, but her friends didn't show up. Uh, for the last minute, they couldn't come. So we sat and we talked for a little bit. But during that conversation, she kind of lets it slip that one of her friends was transitioning from female to male. And she didn't understand it. She says, I've always wanted to be a boy. She says, but I'd never do that. I don't understand it. And it was clear to me that she was going through a similar feelings that I was experiencing and not knowing how to express it. So before the evening ended, I had made the comment to her. I said, I have something to confess to you. I'm going through something similar, and I'm really afraid, and I don't know what's going on. I don't know how to handle it. And um, so she said, well, why don't we get together, and we'll, we'll talk more about this. And um, so we did. And during that uh, situation, um, she wanted to take me out. She says, I'd be happy to take you to meet my friends and show you what it's like to live les lesbian life in San Francisco. She'd been in the community for about 10 years at that point. And um, so I said, okay, yeah, I need to know what I'm in for here. So basically, we, th we began a relationship that lasted about three months. Um, and um, I call it an affair because it was. It became sexual at, at one point. And um, it helped me in that I realized how much being with Jack, I was going to be leaving my authentic self behind. And that was um, something I really had to think about and, and did. Uh, because I knew that I wasn't a lesbian. I wasn't even bisexual. Mm. So how am I going to adapt to this new life with this person I love? And um, so, again, it gave me a lot to think about, which I talk about in the book. Wow. And I do get into details. But I think one of the biggest things about it for me was um, how do we maintain our relationship over time without mm -hmm. desire, mm -hmm. without having... How are how will we gain our intimacy? Will we lose what we have? And if we does it replace with something else? Mm -hmm. And how does that work? And am I willing to put that effort in? Mm -hmm. Is uh, is Jocelyn willing to put the effort in? What does Jocelyn want? Mm -hmm. Because Jocelyn had come to me and said, "I'm not interested in men. I want to be with you. I don't want to lose you." And I think for a trans person coming out. One of the hardest things that they have to deal with is the feeling that they're going to lose everything that they love. Mm. And whether it's their partner, their family, their kids, mm -hmm. um, you know, their jobs, um, mm. 
you know, everything that is around them that they know in their um, first identity. Yeah. I mean, as two people who are cisgendered mm-hmm. on this podcast right now, which means we um, live the assigned identity, the sexual identity that we were given at birth, right. we don't understand what it feels mm-hmm. like to be in that space. And I give you such credit for walking the journey with Jack to Jocelyn. And if you are just picking up this podcast because you knew Diana was going to be on it. We did an episode um, number five, podcast episode five, where we talked with a gay man, a lesbian woman, a uh, out teen girl, and then a trans, the leader of the San Mateo County um, Pride Center. And we talked talked about these issues and just shared about what it looks like for gender. And, you know, honestly... Uh, for me, like it's so, I just have so many questions and I'm learning so much and I really appreciate being able to hear people's stories because I was very narrow, you know, in my understanding of gender, mm-hmm. probably up until about a couple years ago. And I think we know so much more, like you were dealing with this in the nineties, right? Mm-hmm. right? When it was, you know, so taboo, the taboos aren't fully lifted right. in society. That's part of the reason why I want to have this podcast conversation. I think if anything, my hope today in this conversation would be to create empathy. And if you are listening and you know somebody, you have a loved one who is going through a gender transition, if you have a child, mm-hmm. a friend, a neighbor, a spouse, I think the the, the, the challenge is there's not a lot of resources out there. No, there right? isn't. Mm-hmm. So, Diane, what would you say to someone who is in the spot where they're hearing your story saying, oh, I need someone to talk to. Mm-hmm. I need my person. I need my support group. What did they do? How do you? How did you make it? Well, for me, uh, back in those that time, uh, it was mostly personal exploration. Whether it was going to the S and M group, um, and then of course meeting this woman and asking questions. Um, I did go to a psychologist mm-hmm. at one point. There were three in San Francisco at the point at that time that dealt with transgender people. Uh, well, I can't say San Francisco. Two were in San Francisco, and one was in Berkeley. Mm-hmm. And, um, of course, at that time, Jack was going to one of them in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So that left one other that I could, <laughs> I could mm-hmm. go and reach out to, which I did. Um, and I went and I spoke to this this lady, and um, her surprise was that I was interested enough and hadn't already run um, that I was willing to stay with Jack and try to learn what it was that he was going through to become Jocelyn and then what it was going to do to our relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, so her comment was, she says, well, significant others usually leave. Yeah. So she says it's, it's unusual for someone to stay or want to stay. And at that point, my comment to her was, well, I want to understand what's going on, and I, I love this person. So, of course, I want to stay if we can make it work. Her comment to me was, well, it's, going to, it's not just determined by you. It's going to be also determined on whether or not Jack wants to mm. continue the, the, uh, the uh, relationship once he becomes Jocelyn. Mm-hmm. And she said that because of hormones, because of new possibilities once the transgender person makes their transition... Um, suddenly a lot of things in life that they may have dreamed about now becomes possible. So they aren't always the same person on the other side of it that maybe I would remember. And is that what happened? Um, 
Yes, in some ways it is, because as uh, Jocelyn became more uh, into herself and took on her new role, what I realized was that Jocelyn and I, as women, did not have the same value system mm. as, say, I felt I had with Jack. Sure. Um, and a lot of it has to do with role play, I know, and... Um, the gender transformation, basically. Um, Jocelyn had her ideas, I believe, as to what a woman was. Mm. And she was pursuing that, even though, for me, I didn't always agree with, mm. no. Mm-mm. You know, I don't know too many women that do that or say that, or not to say that they, that they couldn't. But as she was developing her new identity, I felt that we were... F- coming further apart sure. as far as what we our belief systems. And values are important, right? That's the Very kind of important. the core of our human relationship is mm-hmm. that we can find some synergy around what we value. Exactly. So it's interesting that it became more about that than about mm-hmm. the gender. Well, for me, that's where it, it, I, I started noticing. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, um, changes come because then Jocelyn, during those changes, um, she let go of a lot of the things that, <clears throat> say, Jack would have done. So... If, say, we go out, <clears throat> sometimes, I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, so as Jocelyn, she would not open doors for me. I mm. mean, now suddenly the roles have kind of reversed for her, and for some reason I felt like some of her expectations were that the role had now reversed so that I was supposed to do those things for her. Mm. Um, if we went out to have s- something to eat, for instance, she would walk away when the bill needed to be paid. Um, little things that it's like, huh, why are you doing this? Mm. You know, what's the role reversal? Is it role reversal or can we talk about mm-hmm. it? Yeah. <laughs> Find out how we're going to handle these before we're in a restaurant. <laughs> You're so humorous about these things, but I know that it was probably a very traumatic and tragic part of your story. Yeah, how, shocking. Yeah. How did you <laughs> get to a place where you are now with, uh, I mean, my, mm-hmm. I guess my evaluation would be you come with a place of grace and, and humility. Uh, how, how did you survive through that? How did you thrive through that time? You know, that time was very difficult for mm-hmm. me. And after, um, after Jocelyn and I broke up, um, it was a very difficult time. In fact, you know, it's, I think it was a hard part about writing it because I couldn't, I had, there was so much emotion and there was so much kind of confusion to the feelings mm. and what had happened and the ups and downs of it <clears throat> that it was really hard to figure out how to put it on paper. Um, it's almost therapeutic for you, though, to do it. It was. Healing. yeah. And part of it, I have to say, was um, finding acceptance from other people who were really interested in hearing the story sure. and wanted to know what had happened. Sure. And even though some of it I knew was out of curiosity, mm-hmm. there was also this genuine um, desire to know what it was, the, the, what the trans situation was. Mm-hmm. Um what does it mean and how is it affecting people? And one by one, people would come to me as I, well, I started writing and I started going to open mics and reading the chapters I was writing. Um, some of that was in order for me to find out, okay, who accepts this? And maybe it will bring up questions for people and maybe I can help someone. And that was kind of my goal at that point. And uh, people would come up to me and say, you know, I had a cousin that did mm-hmm. that. Um, 
one gentleman came up to me and um, just looked at me and started to cry Mm -hmm. and said, I know what you went through because he said, my wife came out to me that she was gay and left me with two kids. I didn't know what to do. I felt like, why me? And why, what is going on? And why didn't I see this coming? Mm -hmm. And so I would get stories from other people that helped me in a way realize I wasn't the only one. Mm Because I have to say that when I was going through this with Jack, I felt like there was no one in the world I could go talk oh, to wow. about it. No one was going to understand yeah. it. And that was I the only person that had ever gone through this? I didn't feel like it was possible, but yet I felt awfully alone. And I didn't want anybody else to feel that way. Yeah, I love that. So you so. needed to put this out into the world, not just for yourself, but for all the hundreds, thousands of people out there who feel alone and just need someone else to voice that story. Exactly. I think that's such a huge encouragement to our Brave Maker audience that we don't realize all of the things that we make have this two, two-fold result. It does something in us. We have to get these stories out. We have to create and make our films, our music, mm-hmm. whatever, because it's in us, because mm-hmm. it heals us, because we love it, whatever. And the second is everything we put out into the world touches someone, has a ripple effect. It creates mm-hmm. change. It creates empathy. Mm-hmm. And so that's really why I wanted to have you on this podcast because I, I feel as if part of Brave Maker in our vision is to create um, space for brave stories that are about diversity and inclusion that give people the ability to listen and to learn about people, about our world, about our culture, uh, to ask questions. We don't have all the answers. I still don't have the answers, nor do you, about how do we relate. If you listen to episode five, um, um, Erin Ashford, who was representing on our podcast, she just said, you know, sometimes even our desire to know and ask all the questions is not even a healthy place to start, right? We want to ask all these questions because we need to know when that right. those questions could actually traumatize others. So, mm-hmm. let's be good listeners. Let's. Uh, how do we? How do people find you and find your book <laughs> so they could learn more? <clears throat> um, I am out in bookstores. Um, you can find um, you can find my book at uh, various places around the Bay Area, uh, the Multicultural Children's Bookstore at Hilltop in Richmond, California. Christopher's Castro Street Dog-Eared Books, Burden Beckett in San Francisco carries it, Book Passage in Corte Madera carries it. If you're in Portland, Oregon, you can go to the, another read-through on Mississippi Street. Um, they have it there. And in Nashville, it's at the Vanderbilt University Bookstore. It's also available at Barnes & Noble Bookstores. You can go in and request it. You can go to Amazon. And um, there are ebook versions and those are out there too on Kindle, Nook, and um, global ebook platforms. Awesome. So it's out there. It's available. The sky <laughs> turned green. The grass turned blue. Diana Kelly, thank you so much for being on Rave Maker Podcast. And can people find you on social media? Yes. Actually, um, it's um, the uh, sky turned green, the grass turned blue, Diane's story. And you can find me at Diane's story on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter as GreenSkySF, and um, Instagram is Diana Kelly Author. Cool. We'll put all those links in our show notes. Thanks so <laughs> Thank much. You. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you. Brave Maker is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Our work is funded by generous patrons like you. Support the podcast with a tax-deductible donation at BraveMaker.com.